Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Film festivals are an increasingly valuable institution in an era dominated by, frankly, too much content. With such an embarrassment of riches in cinemas and online, we'd be otherwise reliant on media hoopla and ballyhoo if we want to try and sort the wheat from the chaff. It's time to get loud. Let's fly, baby! Multi-million dollar publicity campaigns are fine at telling us what the big studios have spent fortunes on. They're less reliable at letting us know what's any good. All right, granted that the idea of what's any good is always going to be subjective, but at least curated film festivals benefit from the opinions of people who might know what they're talking about. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence. Or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. In this country, we've been well catered for this year. Aside from the important International Film Festival, which reflects the tastes of top-end critics and programmers from Cannes, Venice, Sundance and the rest, there are other, more populist festivals. And possibly the most successful of these regional collections has been Fergus Grady's popular French Film Festival. Proof of the croissant has been how many French film festival titles have returned in general release. Middle-aged crowd-pleasers like Sugar and Stars, Driving Madeleine, A Good Doctor and Country Cabaret. In a world, as they used to say, of comic book fantasies, spectacular spy thrillers and overhyped American comedies, the French festival offered more old-fashioned fare, appealing characters, reassuring stories and familiar stars. And that's the basis of Fergus's new festival, drawing on films from across the channel. We've been in this village all our lives, and we're supposed to share it with that lot. We don't even know them. Thank you for your kindness when we arrived. I really appreciate it. My name is Yara, by the way. What's yours? 
Tommy Joe Ballantyne. Some years ago, a number of disgruntled Brits started to complain that the UK was turning, if not into a parody of itself, then certainly a theme park version. England land, perhaps. But is that so bad? I mean, the thing many of us love most about Britain is that it's home to some of the greatest actors and writers in the world, and nowhere is that more in evidence than in an upcoming film festival. It's the first British and Irish film festival, in fact, in honour of a couple of gems from the Emerald Isle. But the cast list alone is dazzling. From Sir Michael Caine to Gemma Arterton, Olivia Colman to Dame Helen Mirren, take that to Noel Coward. And to check out the runners and riders, I'm joined by festival director Fergus Grady. Hi, Fergus. Nice to be with you, Simon. So what you did for France, you're now planning to do for the British Isles. Yeah, I mean, we were presented with an amazing uh, list of films for this year and we had an opportunity to try and stake our claim um, for the British Isles. So we've done that and it's going to be a tight uh, lead up. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, presenting these amazing films. Maybe a bit of a surprise to some of our audience that Britain and Ireland actually needs a festival. I mean, you know, there's quite a few British and Irish films that pop up during the year anyway. I mean, is there any reason why you decided that you needed to have a specifically dedicated festival? I guess there was an opportunity that arose from from COVID and we had had a lot of success with the French and and particularly in COVID we had some amazing audience numbers. So with something like the British and Irish Festival, we have a bit more broad range of of selection and and curation, not just from England, but, Mm. you know, Ireland and Northern Ireland and Wales and Scotland, and and I don't want to forget the smaller places. But, um, yeah, I think with Sir Michael Caine potentially being his last film, unfortunately we lost the late Glenda Jackson on the film. Yeah, we wanted to present these incredible stars that a lot of people have grown up with, and that's why we chose this year and, and, and the British... Isles. Before we get into a rundown of some of the films here, and there's some absolute crackers among them, um, I was wondering about the success of the French one. I mean, they're very middle class. There's nothing particularly arty about them. They're just really well-made films, and I suspect that that's what's driving this festival as well. Yeah, I mean, I think post-COVID, we're just trying to get people back to the cinema. It's such a great experience. Supporting independent cinema is really critical to what we do, Um, and it's my place to escape. I love going to the cinema and taking friends and family. Well, let's have a look at some of them. And you can't have British films without the war. (laughs) This is World War II, of course. And you've touched on one of the highlights. This is uh, Michael Caine and uh, the late Glenda Jackson in a film called uh, The Great Escaper. Where is he? He's disappeared off the face of the earth. He's in France. Bonjour. At 90. Well, he has done it before. Only then, of course, they were shooting at him. Yeah, so this is a 2014 story, a true story, and it took obviously a while for it to be made, but uh, Sir Michael Caine, I should say, has come on board as a 90-year-old in real life now. Um, Pretty amazing career he's had. And um, basically escapes a retirement village and heads to the D-Day landing 70th anniversary. It's quite an emotional journey and he and he meets up with some war vets from Germany so there's some really moving scenes in, in the film and unfortunately Glenda Jackson who also has had an amazing career passed away uh, in post-production so this is her last film which we're honoured to present to New Zealand audiences. 
It's astonishing that the two of them never seem to have worked together because they both seem to work on different sides of the track, didn't they? I mean, Michael Caine is very, his career is very commercially based and uh, Glenda Jackson became so kind of political in her stuff that she ended up becoming a politician. But it's great to see the two of them together. I think they're lovely in this. Yeah, you know, I, I read a recent article in The Guardian about um, their different backgrounds and Michael Caine coming from a working class background just wanted to make money. Glenn Jackson went the other way and, and, and was very left wing uh, as, as an MP in, in the UK. Looking at some of the other um, war films, uh, we have a couple of films that have um, come from the period immediately before the war. Uh, one of them is called One Life, starring Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, this has been very popular. We've, um, I think we're up to 10 or 11 sellouts. So Christchurch is completely sold out and Wellington and, and Auckland are, are getting close. So this has been uh, dubbed the British Schindler, mm. British Schindler's List. Uh, Sir Nicholas Winton, who's a British stockbroker, ends up in uh, former Czechoslovakia and uh, is, is basically trying to evacuate all these Jewish children with the help of Helena Bonham Carter, they managed to secure some visas and billet these uh, these young children on the train. Nikki, you must know we cannot save them all. You have to forgive yourself that. We started, sir. I have to finish it. We cannot let these people down. It is incredible what you achieved. This is kind of hot off the press, isn't it? Because I, I understand this got um, launched at uh, Toronto recently. So this is, you know, brand spanking new in some respects. Yeah, I think the premiere was exactly a month ago. So oh, um, we might be even getting the third or fourth screening in the world. I know it's going to play London Film Festival. And then basically, yeah, Wellington on the 17th of October will be the third or fourth screening of the film, which is which is incredible. Great coup we had. Oh, fantastic. Another one set just before the war is something called The Critic, which is slightly different. A, 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 a spikier piece of work set in the theatre in England just before the war, starring Sir Ian McKellen, Mark Strong, who's, I, I love him as a, as a heavy. I don't think he's a heavy in this. And the great Gemma Arterton. Uh, what's this story about? Yeah, also directly from Toronto. So Ian McCallan is an actor, and uh, I guess it's a, an interesting piece. I don't want to reveal too much, but I think it really leans into that Sir Ian McCallan kind of fascination of this really well-spoken, formally trained actor. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that with audiences. And the final war story is a documentary about the artist Eric Revilius, who I don't know, but is apparently belatedly suddenly huge now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thrilled to secure this film. It did really well in the UK. It was the second highest grossing doco film released last year after the David Bowie film. So it was really well received in the UK. And um, yeah, there's some great talking heads that can speak to sort of authority of who he was and what he wanted, was trying to do with his, with his craft. He was a wartime artist, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was a, more of a pacifist and he was fascinated by war. So it's it's kind of speaking to the, the paintings of that time. Another of the highlights of the of the festival, um, I can hear people yelling out already, where's Olivia Colman? If this is a British festival, where's Olivia Colman? She's here. She's in a film called Wicked Little Letters. Yeah, we've got the potty mouth uh, Olivia Colman in this one. Um <laughs> We haven't been able to share the trailer yet, but confidentially, I've I've been able to see the film, and and it's uh, 
It, it might shock a few people, but I think a lot of audiences are going to find this hilarious. We've been able to secure an M rating, which is great, um, but there there are a few profanities, and it's a true story again. So looking forward to Olivia Coleman and, and Jesse Buckley, as well as Timothy Spall in this one. Well, you can already tell that there's an awful lot of extremely you know well-known veteran actors, but slightly fewer uh, well-known uh, directors, with one major exception. This is the positively final performance, we're told, by the great Ken Loach, The Old Oak, which looks fantastic. Yeah, so this is the only Cannes competition title we have in the lineup, and we've been, well, I guess we're really lucky to secure the New Zealand premiere. I, I would have thought it had gone to other festivals after May, but mm. come October, we've got the New Zealand premiere, and it's, I think it's his 18th uh, film in Cannes and uh, didn't win this time, but he's won it a couple of times, the Palme d'Or. So really looking forward to potentially presenting his last film. We'll see. The village, the old oak. We need this. It's like a bloody refugee come. And watch your mouth, It's not charity. This is solidarity. This is about... We'll do something together. It's a big sentimental favourite in both France and in England, but the thing that people seem to most love about it is the fact that he's still angry. It's not sort of cosy and comfy. It's a sort of he's shaking his fist at what's going on in England right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite hard for him to retire given the political situation in the UK. But, hey, we're excited to have him in, in our festival. We have a couple of biopics, including Golda. Uh, this is uh, a rather controversial film, largely because of the casting of Helen Mirren as Israeli uh, Prime Minister Golda Meir. But she looks fantastic in this. Yeah, she's almost... I, I couldn't recognise her in the first scene, um, and she's chain-smoking throughout. So um, it's, it's a real role for Helen Mirren, or Dame Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. and the film has done really well overseas, and, and we're excited. The sales are going really well for this one, so mm. audiences should grab tickets soon. I think it's partly because of the fact that it is a long time ago, and people probably are not particularly as familiar with the Yom Kippur War as they might have been, you know, say, 50 years ago. So I'm, I'm up for that one. There's another one... Uh, this is Gabriel Byrne playing Samuel Beckett, you know, the great Irish writer. And the, the story is called Dance First. Yeah, and, and also directed by James Marsh, who is an Oscar-winning director from The Theory of Everything. So, yeah, another great pedigree film. It's a bit esoteric, this film. It's kind of Gabriel Byrne plays uh, Samuel Beckett and he also has this kind of demons and, and angels on his shoulder throughout mm. the film. Um, but we have great supporting cast as well. And, yeah, it's sort of vignettes of his life. So it's not a straight biopic um, by any stretch of the imagination. I love the fact that it seems to take place over a very specific period of time. It's about the time that he decided he didn't want to get the Nobel Prize, apparently. Yeah, that's the first scene in the film where they present him the, the Nobel Prize and then it goes on a different direction than you'd expect. It was a really nice film. Uh, it just premiered last week, actually, um, oh, in, in San Sebastian in, in Spain. So, again, we're uh, really lucky to secure a, a New Zealand premiere straight after the world premiere. Speaking of Ireland, uh, there's another film that's had a lot of buzz about it. This is a film called In the Land of Saints and Sinners. And aside from anything, it's got a really interesting cast. Yeah, we've got Liam Neeson, Karen Hines um, and Kerry Condon. So all-star Irish cast. Liam Neeson kind of is still playing the same kind of character. He's he's a little bit angry. He doesn't want to get uh, violent, but he gets uh, drawn into this IRA 
small town uh, in Ireland drama. Mm. And um, I loved Karen Hines in this. He's a favourite of mine and mm. plays a local police officer. The explosion left six dead. Fremar, what is it that you did? I lost track long ago. The saint's got to be a sinner first, don't he? Yeah, I think for anyone who who loves Liam Neeson films, they won't be disappointed, and and anyone who likes Irish dramas, they they won't be disappointed either. I think that one uh, surprise uh, me- member of the cast is Jack Gleeson. Now people probably think, who's Jack Gleeson? Game of Thrones, the the world's most horrible king. Yeah, absolutely, and he's not a likable character in this. Or so he does a bit of have a bit of a redeeming feature at towards the end, so audiences should should check this one out. Oh, that's good. So the fans of King Joffrey will be clamouring to sort of see him get his. Um, there's another film called... Now, I'm, I'm always very iffy about pronunciation of Irish names because the pronunciation bears very little resemblance to the spelling, but I'm going Roisha and Frank. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think Roisha uh, is how I've been saying it. And it's a sweet little drama in Irish language, so there'll be English subtitles, and if anyone likes dogs or, you know, hurling... <laughs> or GAA, this is one for them. We're excited to have the Irish community really come out for this film. Artists feature quite a lot also in the festival, including quite a few outsiders and insiders. And leading the outsiders is Monica Dolan, who's got a faintly Irish-sounding name, but she's very English. She plays uh, an outsider artist called Audrey O'Miss, uh, and the, the film is called Typist Artist Pirate King. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's a mouthful, but Kelly MacDonald stars opposite uh, Monica Dolan and they're both in- incredible on screen. You need to drive myself and my art to this gallery before the deadline. Must be close by now. It is 280 miles precisely. Sunderland. You said it was local. It is to me. And I think this one, which is a bit of a road road movie, it's something that's surprising. I, I would really recommend people see it. It might not sell it on the trailer, but I think once you watch the film, you really get it. And and Carol Morley, who had a bit of a hot start as a, a young you know, director, I think this is her, her best film. So yeah, really recommend that one. I was glancing at the, uh, the rundown of uh, how it goes, and I was getting a kind of a Don Quixote buzz about it too. There seem to be these two people going off on a weird journey to nowhere much, you know. Yeah, it's not like, again, it's sort of similar to Dance First. It's not a straight biopic and it's not mm. a straight road movie, but great performances, really strong performances from both. Now, speaking of artists, you don't get any more insider than the boy band Take That. You've got a movie called Greatest Days, which is subtitled Take That, the Musical. Yeah, this is the outlier of the festival, but something that I probably enjoyed the most. It's silly, but I think audiences who are looking for this type of film will really enjoy it. It's something that, you know, girls' night out, you know, a glass of wine or bubbles will really uh, complement the film. Win tickets to see your favourite boy band reunite in Athens. Are you ready? I am ready. Today this could be... Are you screaming yet, Rachel O'Flynn? Rachel. I'm their biggest fan of the whole entire world. It's, it's, it's really well produced and, and the budget, you know, speaks for itself. It looks great on, you know, on screen. In a weird sort of way, in the 1920s and 30s, the equivalent of a boy band was a one-manned boy band. This is uh, Noel Coward. And finally, there's a, a documentary about him. It's called Mad About the Boy, based on one of his songs, but also based on him as well. And I'm absolutely looking forward to it because 
he was so huge then. He was he had so many skills, and he's all but forgotten now. I didn't really know much about him before I watched this, and and it's directed by Barnaby Thompson, and he's really done a deep dive into his life and. Mm. A lot of big fans, um, people we've already mentioned, so Michael Caine ha- have sort of sp- spoken about him in the film and um, it's a really good snapshot of his life and how he really broke ground as a sort of a gay actor. He was famously the best paid uh, writer on uh, on Broadway for a while. In fact, at one stage I think he had about three or four plays on at the same time on Broadway at the peak of his career. Yeah, no, I think he... Um, he wrote, directed, and acted as well. Yeah. So he was a triple threat on, on stage and broke ground as well in, in film and television. And speaking of well-known Brits, uh, Jackie Stewart aiming at a completely different audience. This is the uh, the famous Formula One uh, racing driver. I mean, this is a really important story, and, and Jackie is very uh, very much a self-made man, kind of dyslexic and left school pretty young. But, you know, I don't know if your listeners watch the Formula One, but he's still walking around the tracks. He's uh, going to most of the events, um, and I think with the popularity of the sport right now, it's a really nice insight into the personalities back in the, in the 60s uh, and 70s. It's very different to now. I think that one thing that you do notice looking down the list is that while this uh, festival is clearly aimed at a very specific audience, this is my local, in fact, you know, there'll be standing room only at most of these films, I imagine, that, I, you know, you keep looking at it and thinking, well, this is middle-aged to old, isn't it? I mean, no young up-and-comers among these films. We just added an 18th film, which is not in the booklet. Uh, it's called The Lesson. Um, hopefully this appeals to a younger audience. We've got Daryl McCormack, who was in Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, as well as Richard E. Grant and Julie Dupley. Um, so I think this will appeal to a younger audience and, yeah, something that we've been able to secure last minute. And I really implore people to, to see this one. It's, it's a really strong film and, and has been reviewed really well. Well, at the ending, it feels like a different novel like it was written by someone else. Liam, good writers borrow. Great writers steal. <laughs> it sounds great. I mean, I have to say that I'm going to finish with three films that were sort of also in the uh, in the festival, but the one thing they seem to have in common is that they feature a, a bunch of odd groups. You've got Northern Comfort, which is a whole lot of would-be flyers led by Timothy Spall, of all people. Yeah, this is sort of a, a Norwegian-British co-production and it's really interesting concept about people who are afraid of flying and Timothy Spall kind of rallies the troops um, when there's a bit of a incident. So um, quite a fun ride and it played in the South by Southwest Film Festival and um, yeah, has a pretty diverse cast. And you've got another one called The Trouble with Jessica, which I've noted as a dinner party from hell. That's a bit of a genre in itself really in some respects. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, well, I guess there's a murder and so people are trying to uh, work out who or whether it's suicide and whether there's any implications around the the, the owners of the house trying to sell um, and having potentially uh, buyers coming through that night. So it's a bit of a, um, a theatrical stage play um, set mm. um, with some really good act- actors, including Rufus Sewell. I like Rufus Sewell, and I like Shirley Henderson too. She's in it as well. This little poison dwarf woman who turns up in a lot of these films. An hour ago, we were just having dinner. This is going to change everything. She decided to kill herself in our garden right when we're trying to sell the house. I mean, who does that? Who goes and kills himself in someone else's garden? Why couldn't she just have killed herself in her own garden? She's never garden. 
And finally, there's a film called Sweet Sue, which is described as a generation gap battle. What is that? Remind me of that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this last. It's my favourite hidden gem in the festival. Sue is, has recently met Ron, who's a motorcyclist, and it's kind of an offbeat British comedy that I really like, this sort of sense of humour, and it's a first-time director, and Ron's son comes into the picture, and, and Sue has some issues with his passion, which is uh, you know Instagram and, and TikTok dancing. So I think it's quite a funny generational drama about people dealing with Instagram and TikTok influences. Something for everyone seems to be the idea behind the festival, and it looks like it's really going to be popular. I'm assuming that the bookings are starting to fill up right now. Yeah, I definitely um, get people to book for One Life. Um, as I said, it's already sold out in Christchurch and mm. Wellington and Auckland are filling up. Great Escaper and Golda are doing really well. So it's something for everyone. I mean, there's a documentary. There's also dramas and musicals. So enjoy. Hopefully, you know, the weather is not not great and and we get lots of people coming in on on a rainy day. And if this does well, I'm assuming there's going to be the second one next year. Yeah, we're hoping to do that. We'd love to add a few more Irish films. We sort of struggled this year, but looking ahead, um, next year's going to be a good year for Irish cinema. The thing I like most about them is there's not a sequel among them. You know, they're all fresh stories. Yeah, and I think that's that's the remit. We're trying to find these original stories. And I, I think, you know, similar to the French, we'd love to get more of these dry British comedies. The crowd-pleasing ones, so we're on the hunt for, for next year's lineup. The world is crying out for more magic. <laughs> Art makes life worth living. I'm glad I came with you. You must be bonkers. I've been talking to Fergus Grady, director of the upcoming British and Irish Film Festival. The festival opens in 14 locations around the country between October the 17th and, appropriately, November the 5th. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.